everyone. You're listening to Operation Dichotomy. I'm Paul. I'm your host, and we are the bridge between perception and reality. Our goal here is to create a society of greater understanding and empathy, where people are slower to speak and eager to listen, and ultimately to, I guess, more quickly hear the other perspective instead of being stuck in their own. We believe that with just that small shift, I guess we call it a small shift, but when I say a week in and week out, it's really a big shift. But once we make that shift, either way. It's going to solve a lot of the problems that we see around us today. So if that sounds like something that you are interested in and want to support, you can connect with us at operationdichotomy.com. We can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Operation Dichotomy. And last but not least, if you found any value in these podcasts or any of the content that we share, be sure to leave us a positive review and then also share it with somebody that might benefit from it. I think that's the best way and maybe the easiest way to make a difference. Let us create the content. Let us put all the thinking into it and you just click that share button. It's easy, right? We love easy. So without further ado, today we have, we have a superhero with us. <laughs> uh, his name is Anthony Woods. He is a three-time IFBB. And if you're like me and not sure what that means, it means International Federation of Bodybuilding. He's a three-time IFBB Olympian. All right, let that sink in. Three times. And if you're not sure what that means, it's okay. We're going to ask him and he's going to tell us. And uh, maybe even more importantly, and perhaps the harder task, no, not perhaps, definitely the more uh, impactful role that he has is a father of two, ages 10 and seven-year-old boys, rambunctious young children, I imagine, as they are boys after their own father, right? <laughs> Last but not least, definitely not least, he's a fitness trainer. Uh, but one of the cool things about Anthony Woods is that he considers himself more of a student than a teacher. And this is not that he's not, a, uh, I guess, what we would call an expert, but his mindset is one of always trying to learn, always trying to become better, always maintaining this mindset of a student so that, I mean, he's going to be the best, right? The best students make the best teachers. So Anthony Woods, thank you so much for being here with us today, man. How are you doing? Oh, man, that was a, a heck of an intro. Jeez, I'm extraordinarily humbled and thankful uh to sit down and talk to you man this is this has been a time coming out we've been trying to trying to connect and i'm excited to be here man thank you no thank you man um let's before we continue uh like i said i had to look up what ifbb actually meant uh, i know you're a professional bodybuilder um, you've been a i guess a competitor i don't know if that's the right word but you've been in competition um and three times you've been this quote-unquote olympian now, for us regular folks who don't know what that means, can you explain that a little bit? Sure, sure. So um, what that means is every year, um, the, I guess they collect the top 26-ish, 25, 26-ish bodybuilders on the planet um, in their given divisions, women's bodybuilding, men's physique division, uh, the 212, the open division, and so on. <clears throat> and uh, for three years in a row, um, I have been extraordinarily fortunate enough to compete on stage with the best um, in the world in my division. So this is 25, 26 in the world, you said, internationally. Yes, sir. So we're going to post a picture of Anthony. Actually, if you're on the podcast right now, you've probably already seen it. Um, you'll see what a 25, 26 top bodybuilding person in the world looks like. Uh, <laughs> it takes a lot of work to get there, obviously. And yeah. Well, we're getting to his mindset a little bit, but I think now we kind of have an idea what that means, right? He's a three-time 25, top 25 in the world. Um, man, congratulations, first of all. I know it takes a lot of work to get there. Sure. Um, and though I say that, maybe I don't really understand the full extent of it. So let's, 
let's get into a little bit about who you are, Anthony. Um, when we talked a while back, I asked you about when you started getting into bodybuilding and what sort of motivated you. And you mentioned that you were into sports, but it wasn't the actual sports that drove you. It was training. Um, can you tell us about that time period and what that actually was like for you? Absolutely. So, um, you know, I was definitely an introverted kid. I'm still, you know, pretty introverted, to be honest. And um, I naturally athletic. I was tall. So sports took me pretty easily, but I still was pretty introverted. So I had to get to like sports that had teams and stuff where I could kind of hide behind, you know, the attention of other people, even though I could excel, the attention wasn't necessarily on me alone. Mm. Um, but in order to, to be good at these sports, these contact sports, I had to kind of get stronger. You know, right? So I was, a, I was a real puny kid in high school. So um, I had to get stronger. And in that process of training, um, I learned, uh, learned a couple of things. I learned uh, I could do this alone. So being introverted wasn't necessarily a setback. Um, I also learned that no one could do it for me. And there's lots of circumstances um, in life where, you know, you could, you can get help. You could buy, you could buy your way in, you can influence your way in. Um, but in these circumstances, if you didn't pick up the weights, it wasn't going to get done. And I really identify with that. Um, especially being introverted. I like the fact that I could be in control of my own destiny, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> but also I was really into comics, like heavy, heavy into Marvel, heavy into, into DC. And it wasn't too, wasn't too, too long before I realized that I can mold and shape uh, my vessel, so to speak, um, with, with exercise and nutrition. And I quickly kind of identified, like I could, I could maybe begin to emulate the things I saw in comics. Through, through exercise and also progress in these sports um, at the same time. So it was like, I introduced you as a superhero and um, that's kind of what it was, how huh? you were trying to become, no, okay, let me say this correctly. You saw a, those ridiculous bodies on comic books and you found that you were able to buy working out and putting the work in, emulate that and sort of become those people. Um, yeah, like in, in the same way, um, if anyone's listening and you were, you know, if you're an 80s baby, you, you knew Jordan, right? A lot of the guys know Kobe and LeBron. If you were 80s, you knew Jordan. And if you played basketball, you stuck your tongue out like Jordan did. You know, if you watched them enough, it was just a matter of time before you were out with your friends and you stuck your tongue out and you were just simply emulating what you saw. You know, we learned through, you know, through, um, you know, through observation. So I was reading comics way more than I was watching basketball at that time, to be completely honest. And I think I was just observing the things that interest me and I was beginning to manifest those things in my life, you know. When, so when you were in high school and that was what you were doing, I feel like, did you think you were actually going to compete in, at this kind of level at that point? Or was it just more like, hey, I, this is interesting to me because I can build myself in the way that I want. Yeah. Uh, what, was there a transition or like a, a defining moment that put you on this track where, you know, sports isn't what, I, I want to do like I enjoy it, but it's really this training aspect. So, I had I'd never heard of competing at all in high school. I I, I knew of the bodybuilders I saw in the magazines. YouTube was just beginning to come around, so I would, I knew what I saw when I would read the magazines. Um, but I had I'd never heard of competing as an amateur. I just never heard of it. I didn't know any bodybuilders personally. Um, I trained in the gym, but I just knew guys that worked out in the gym. So. It wasn't anything that I foreshadowed for myself in any way at all. Um, but I did excel in basketball. And so 
once I kind of got, once I got older and started to become a little more social and broke out of my shell a little bit, I realized that I, I really didn't like playing basketball as much as um, the, the people around me. I was in college, I earned a scholarship. So it, once you play basketball in college, college sports is not a recreational thing. That's a, that's a job and it requires a separate, um, I'll say a separate frequency of focus. And I just didn't have the passion and the drive to really cultivate those skills. So I, I knew that it, it was good. It was fun for me because I was good at it, but I wasn't gonna work hard to really progress that much. Um, but I couldn't wait to train. Like I couldn't, when I was in practice, I would, I would do my thing in practice enough to play or nothing, not to sit the bench. Um, Cause it was fun, but I could not wait to train. And I would train with my, with my team. We would do our power cleans. We would do, you know, all the different explosive movements. Um, and as soon as we, as soon as the practice was over, I was in my car and I was directly to the gym, like right after. Didn't eat after, didn't in between sets, in between workouts, I didn't take a break. I left the team workout and went directly to the gym and did my own thing. And that was when it kind of, it was clear that this is what I want to do. And this is what makes me, uh, it fulfills me, so to speak. Was it the the training in itself that you enjoyed so much or was it the results that you were able to get from the training? That's a really good question. I, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. In the beginning, it was, it started off um, about a 50, 50. Um, I've always uh, considered myself a, a bit of an audiophile. I constantly listen to music. I, I appreciate acoustics. I appreciate melody. Um, I appreciate the artists behind, behind the music. So in a busy life, the only time I really could have sat and enjoyed an entire album from cover to cover was probably during the training session. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I enjoyed the results, right. You know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't, but there was definitely equally in, an equal amount of interest and an equal amount of emphasis in the cerebral part of, of training for me. Um, I went someplace and I've been training for a long time. I think I, the first time I trained ever, I was like 12 or 13, but, I can't remember ever coming into a gym and feeling uh, foreign and not knowing what to do. Um, I've always kind of had that sense because I can't remember my, my very first time. So I say that to say any gym I go to around the country and I travel quite a bit now, I always feel at home. I always feel a sense of a, a, a euphoria or a belonging, maybe a haven, so to speak. I always feel, I always feel at home no matter where I'm at. Um, even to the degree, sometimes I'll walk out and forget where I'm at. Am I in New York right now? <laughs> oh, damn, we're in LA. I completely forgot where I was at for that hour and a half. Um, wow. So at this point, it's almost 90% um, psychological for me. Okay. I'm, I'm trying I'm to understand. No, no, that's great. It's, it's, it's amazing that you're, you said it was cerebral, cerebral. So your brain is able to kind of take you somewhere else. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. When I'm training, to be honest with you, it's a it's a bit of a, a conversation. I've talked to my training partner. We talk about it all the time. You know, there there are days where um, you know I'll train and it's, the weights are a little heavier that day, or um, I can't necessarily get um, my body in unison or to communicate in the ways that I want to. And that happens in real life. There are, you have miscommunication with people. So you know, those are moments where I take a step back and maybe digress my my movements, digress uh, maybe the weight. In the same way, I would take a step back with a friend of mine, digress my language, lower my voice, slow down a little bit. You know, those are the things I practice. I practice those things in the gym so that I can take those same, I don't know, those same ideas or, or uh, 
you know, ways of handling certain things. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll employ those in real life. And if it works in the gym, usually it works and it translates like super, super smooth for me. And that's one of the reasons why training is so incredibly important for me. So when most people think about, I'm going to make an assumption here, but most people, when they think about this, <clears throat> this level of training, right, they might go into a gym with you and just watch you train for an hour, two hours, however long you train. They don't see that as a pleasant thing, right? You're pushing hard, you're lifting heavy, you're probably straining. And, and they're probably wondering, like, how is this guy enjoying this? It's hard work. Yeah. Where does that, can you uh, put together that disconnect for us? Because from the outside perspective, it's like, man, this guy is, he's pushing it. He does not look happy. But yeah, sure. you're in there thinking like, this is the best thing in the world. Sure. Well, there's lots of different um, dimensions to the way that, like, I, 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 mean, I can't speak for anyone but myself, but for mm -hmm. myself, uh, there's lots of different dimensions in the way that I approach it, depending on, or training, depending on what I'm training for, um, how I'm feeling, how close I am to something I'm preparing for, um, much in the way you have an 18 wheeler at a, at a standstill, and it's got you know, tons and tons of weight. And given the right amount of momentum and power, you can get that thing to go to 100 pounds, 100 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. So in that same way, I kind of need to identify my purpose. You know, the way you identify um, in MapQuest where you're going to start and where you're going to end up. So I just, once I understand why I'm training, okay, we're two weeks out of the Olympia. That's a certain kind of mode you need to be in before you're two weeks out of the Olympia, right? So sure. that's an example of how you're shifting gears, first, second, third. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm training to express something uh, in much in the way that you would have expressive dance. If I'm performing a squat, in most cases, and this is arguable, but in most cases, there are incorrect and perfect, they're incorrect and correct ways to perform that movement much like there are incorrect and correct ways to perform different dances or you know, different stances in anything. So when I'm performing a squat, depending on what I'm listening to, I'm performing a squat. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And, in that, and in that way, if everything is in alignment with what's correct and incorrect based upon your standards, mm -hmm. just might develop the muscle in the way you want. You know? Yeah. Dude, I love listening to you talk, man. It's like... Yeah, that's cool. Thank you. Yeah. Do this is kind of an off question, but do most bodybuilders kind of think the way that you do? Like, I feel like, not that I've talked to tons of bodybuilders, but for the most part, when I see people who are so into their physique, um, they're more about the discipline itself of the workout, the dieting. And I'm sure your diet is super regimented and clean as well. Um, but I've never heard it explained in the way that you explain it in, in this art form, almost like a creative expression through this bodybuilding. Are you pretty unique in that context or? I don't know. I mean, I, and again, I'm going to be completely honest. I haven't, I haven't spoken about the ways that I uh, conceptualize what I do too much. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully I'll, I'll learn to do that in the near future. But um, it, bodybuilding is art, is art for me. It's not in any way uh, a sport for, to me. Mm -hmm. um, it's much more a performing art. Um, I've said this a few times, but you know, I've never won a show in my life. Um, I've never lost a show either. So if anyone who's ever documented anything I've, I've done in terms of how I respond to anything that goes on on stage, whether I'm winning a sword or walking away with nothing, I've never really celebrated and I've never necessarily ever shown any type of disappointment because there's not any. Um, I'm there with some people that grinded the same way I did. 
Uh, they have a brush, you know, they have the canvas the same way I do. And they're, they're painting the same way I am. It's just like an art show. Mm -hmm. um, and I know people that are, I believe, extraordinarily talented in some artistic disciplines, but they would draw something or paint something and throw it away. Mm -hmm. It didn't approve of what they expected or they didn't necessarily like what they saw or created. And then someone would find that in the garbage and hang it up for, for years. And that, mm -hmm. that same piece may be a family heirloom. So no one's ever won or lost, in my opinion. I always win. And I always, I always, I'm always happy. It's like a, it's a celebration every single time for me. Dang, that's awesome, man. Do, where do you see yourself in terms of the bodybuilding world in the future? Like, do you want to keep doing this year in, year out? Um, is this long-term? Again, I don't understand the, uh, the, the toll bodybuilding takes, if it takes a toll on your body and how long realistically can go on. Um, what are your sure. thoughts on that? Well, uh, let, me, let me make sure I let me think for a second. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that this is, this is fun for me. And um, the moment it's not fun, I'll find something else that's fun. <laughs> you know, this is the most consistent thing I've done in my entire life. You know, I've had, uh, you know, different chapters we all have chapters right you know i had a motorcycle chapter um, i had a little bit of a disruptive a little aggressive chapter <laughs> you know you had different different modes of your life where you go through these these stages but no matter what stage i was in um it's like you wake up in the morning and before you can recognize it you're brushing your teeth but you don't remember ever choosing to yeah. it's it's like i found myself in the gym no matter what i was going through i was always there and so this is one of those things that is a shark swims forward because it has to you know, it doesn't necessarily have an option. Sharks, great white sharks need to swim forward to breathe. So we look at a shark and that shark is creeping, right? It's creeping at you, but it's, it's just doing what sharks do. It doesn't know anything else. And that's exactly the way I feel about what I do every single day. I don't know anything else to do. It just feels completely normal. <laughs> Dude. You know? I love it. You know I love it, Yeah, yeah. It's, it's become so ingrained in you into to who you are. And um, I don't I see know else. I see this coming together now. Like there's the, the the bodybuilding side, but it's not really about the bodybuilding. It's more the the art and the painting. And your your body is the vessel, it's the canvas, Absolutely. whatever you want to call it, just the expression of of you. Everything and else, like, emissions. It's just the emissions. We we see. You know, if anyone has been in LA and you've seen, you know, an 18 wheel with tons of traffic and there's there's this big smog, you know, cloud coming out of that pipe. It's the emissions. You know, there's so much more going on under that hood that we notice. We just see the, what's left over. And not that what's left over isn't important or valuable or, you know, shouldn't be celebrated, but it's, it's what's left mm. over. You know, and that's mm. a trophy or a sword for me. It's, it's important. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's not the most important thing that's happening for me. Now, I've talked to other people, again, who have been into bodybuilding um, for themselves, but I feel like it takes the next level of drive and motivation and discipline to become the best of the best. So to be top 25 in the world, in my opinion, you have something that most other people don't have, whether it is the level of discipline, whether it is the motivation. Uh, my question to you is what, what drives you, man? Like, is it, is it yourself? Is it your own mental drive? Is it just the love of the training family? Like sure. all of it. What is it? What is it, man? Sure, sure. That's um, that's a loaded question, man. That's, that's <laughs> um, so immediately, man. Um, 
my brain goes like, it's like a million explosions when you ask me that question because yeah. I want to hear it all. There's a <laughs> sweet man. There's, there's no way to, to do anything in my opinion. Uh, there's no reason to do anything rather unless you're driven to do it. And uh, I'm driven by a lot of different things. Not all of them would be necessarily healthy to a lot of different opinions, but um, I'll say there's a story that I, I, t- I tell my kids. So my son, at least my oldest one, um, I was pretty heavy into basketball. I definitely was. And um, because I was good at it, I was, I was naturally like talented at basketball. And my father wanted me to take it as far as I possibly could. So I remember being, I want to say third or no, no, fourth grade, fourth grade for sure. Cause I was able to conceptualize how serious this was. So I was, I was, I was in fourth grade. I was watching Ren and Stimpy. And like, <laughs> it's about, it's like maybe 11 o'clock on like a Saturday. And he goes, uh, he walks by and he goes, uh, you're not playing basketball today. He walks right in front of the television and he goes, you're not playing basketball today. And he doesn't look at me and he goes in the kitchen and I'm like, no, I'm watching my cartoons. And he, he's in the kitchen. He makes his plate of food and he's walking back and he walks directly in front of the TV and without staring, without skipping a pace, without looking at me, he just keeps on walking and he mutters under his breath. The kid working for your scholarship ain't watching cartoons and walked away and he kept, he's kept on walking. Like it wasn't even like a, like he said it cause he needed me to hear it. He said it under this tone. Like I almost thought he was saying it to himself. Oh. And it was like, he's, he like put this battery in that I, I'm 34 years old. I haven't figured out how to turn it off. And it's anybody's got any smart smartphones when you've got these apps that are running in the background and somehow when you realize, Oh man, I haven't, I haven't shut that off. That's, you know, that's the weather app that's been on for like seven months straight. Let me, let me slide that off. Since I was in seventh, eighth grade, man, my dad, that's it's echoing. So anytime I'm doing something that's not necessarily helping me move forward in any positive direction it's like this echo i just can't get off and that's i don't know how healthy that is all the time but it's, it's definitely present definitely present for me oh man so it was just that one moment huh one of the trigger yeah and he's you know my dad he means he means the best and he's one of my one of my closest friends yeah. but that was something that i'll never forget um that's a that's a definitely a drive for me for sure do you think <clears throat> Did you ever talk to him about that moment? Because you said it almost sounded like he was talking to himself, yeah. but I wonder if he did it on purpose or was it, you ever asked yeah. him about that? I've, I've asked him and he's like danced around it. I don't think <laughs> he remembers saying it. I don't think he remembers saying it, but you know, again, I mean, that, that kind of goes to, kind of goes to speak to the amount of influence or the footprint we can leave in each other's lives, maybe without even necessarily knowing, mm. you know, kind of puts things into perspective. Can I ask you about your boys and your family a little bit? Of course. Because um, we're talking about family. Like, I yeah. wonder, do, do your sons ever look at you and see your discipline? And um, seeing this comic book hero who is competing on stage, do they ever think and do they want to be like you in that sense? You know, that's a, that's a, that's a funny question. I like to say, I like to say yes, um, but I'm, I'm cautioned. To, to attach myself to that idea because I want my children to, to be expressive. I'd much rather my, my sons be artists and athletes. Mm. And I think that there's something very healthy with understanding how to express yourself health in a healthy way. I think human beings, we all express ourselves. No one doesn't. We all do, whether you drive fast because you're angry or put up something on Instagram or you make a song. Most of us express ourselves, um, most of us need to find healthy ways. I'd like to, I'd like for my sons to be expressive. I know they look at me. I know they know what I do. I've been doing this my entire 
you know, my, almost my whole life. So definitely all of theirs. Um, Phoenix, Phoenix is more athletic in that he wants to be muscular. He, he wants to feel my muscles. I mean, he's, he just turned, just turned, he's about to turn six. Um, he likes to feel my muscles and he's, he's fascinated by it. Anthony, um, he's more interested, he's more interested in the mechanics as to why I'm doing this. And I see him observing more. He's watching how consistent I am in things. And um, he's looking at the amounts of food on my plate. And he's, he's, he's observing things quietly. He's, he's just turned, he's 10 or 11, I'm sorry. So he's, he's beginning to observe, but yeah, they, they, they see what I do. I just try not to, I try not to lead them into what I'm doing, but more so support them in whatever they're into doing, whatever it is. They're Fortnite, they're Fortnite like fanatics right now. Mm-hmm. Whatever they're into, I just try to support that. That's awesome, man. I see, I see you having fun with your boys a lot. Um, if you uh, guys, right. the audience, if you ever connect with Anthony, you'll see, I don't know if they're still up, but I see a lot of your TikTok videos with your boys. Uh, <laughs> dude, you got talent for that, man. <laughs> I'm a goofball and my, my kids, um, they help me remember that it's okay to be a kid, you know? Yeah. What's important in life, right? Oh, for sure. Um, this, having you here as someone who's gotten to the level that you've gotten to in what you do in terms of bodybuilding, um, for, for those of us who are listening, myself included, all right, sorry, let me step back. So when, when your dad kind of gave you that battery, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know this may be incorrect, but I feel like he didn't necessarily give you the battery at that moment. You always had that battery and he just said something that turned it on. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Sure. For, I feel like a lot of people in this world that I've met and talked to the majority, they either don't have that battery or it's off for people like that. I don't know if I fall into that category or not. So just speak to me as well. What's one piece of advice that you would give us to, to put things into perspective um, about how we're living our lives, right? Instead of just coasting by, trying to become the best of the best. Can you repeat those to me? The first one was in terms of the battery. Mm-hmm. So people, they they have the battery. Right. Um, I'm going to put two together, I think. The people that have the battery and it's not on. Okay. If you had the battery, period, I'm going to put that in category one because then you just got to turn it on, right? It's there. You're driven. Um, once that trigger hits, you're ready to go. But yeah. then there's other people who are like, um, they're less driven, right? They're okay with being super content, just, just living day to day, not trying to really go anywhere. Right. How do we spark those people? I would say that there's another category of the people that have a battery that's on complete hyperdrive. Uh-huh. It's just, it's aiming them or they're aimed in a direction that's not necessarily uh, one that, that aligns with them. Hmm. So, a lot of people are in, I would like to say, somewhat of a hamster wheel in that they're running full speed and full speed is great. That means that you're, you're able to follow through. That means you're able to put, you know, pen to paper, um, tire to road, so to speak, and, and, and move forward. But sometimes people are driven by things that are external. And that's kind of what I was meaning to talk about in terms of being driven. Because you have, you know, external motivation or extrinsic and intrinsic. A lot of times people, kind of forget to be intrinsically motivated and to be driven by things that bring them joy and bring them, you know, fulfillment. A lot of times we're, we're working for the fulfillment that seems like it's for us, but you just want the oohs and the ahs because your car is shiny. Right. So 
when you get those oohs and ahs and you don't feel fulfilled, maybe you feel a little more lost and you put those eggs in a different basket. So I put all my oohs and I put all my eggs in the basket of look how big my house is. I'm driven to get a big house. And then the oohs and ahs don't make you fulfilled. They don't, they don't fulfill you in the same ways that you had hoped. So then you put those eggs in a different basket. No matter what eggs, or what basket these eggs land in, all of these, these things, unless they're intrinsically motivated, and they're extrinsically motivated and they're not necessarily going to ever fulfill you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when people learn maybe who they are, or what actually brings them joy, then it'll be a little bit easier to identify a target. Mm-hmm. And then let's turn that battery on and that target will be, you know, much more fulfilling once acquired. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's more about finding what drives you intrinsically than. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, sense. I, I, this isn't a, uh, you know, unique or in, in let's say a, a original idea, so to speak. But I, I personally find a great deal amount of happiness and joy in like in helping people in a, in a genuine way. Mm-hmm. So I used to work at a youth center, and I used to walk these uh, elementary school kids across the street to their to school. So I worked from six a.m. to about eight fifteen. I'd be there in the morning. I'd walk them to school. And then walking to school throughout the years, you would really easily notice the kids that had, uh, you know, over seemed to have you know, overflowing confidence and you seem to see the kids that, you know, seem to be less confident. I, I want to make sure I say seem to be, you can't always tell on the surface, but seem to be. So one day I see a kid and he had glasses on. He didn't have glasses on any time before that. I recognized them and I, I wear glasses. So I said, hey man, cool glasses. Mm-hmm. And this kid like lit up for a second and he walked away. And then I, the next day I saw him again, I gave him a different compliment. So then I, a third day I decided I'm just going to like give genuine compliments to like all these damn kids, all, <laughs> but they couldn't be fake. I wasn't going to give anything fraudulent and they were going to be genuine, not anything materialistic, so to speak, but something that they could maybe identify with. It wasn't going to compliment, you know, something that was like something that they didn't really identify with. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. I'd walk, walk these kids to school and Hey man, I really like your haircut. That's really cool, man. Is that, is that is that your new backpack, man? The other one had a hole in it. That was real cool, awesome. And I would just kind of just find ways. And so I say that to to say that, and that made me really really happy. Now, I did that because it made me happy, and one would say that's selfish. But I'm only doing these things because they motivate me intrinsically. Mm-hmm. So I think that if people can find out what makes them happy intrinsically and become selfish in that in that act and do these acts that make you happy and as long as you're not hurting anyone and you're giving back, I feel like that can be a major drive for a lot of people once they figure out what makes them happy. Hmm. I would even go as far as to say a lot of times it's that giving and selfless giving that that is what a lot of us are looking for, but it's in the context of this particular area that that's different for people, right? Like you found it in that. I might find it somewhere else, like doing a podcast and talking to people or, or whatever. But intrinsic motivation is what we need to find. And once we find that, that's probably going to help us to move forward with more drive and passion in whatever we're doing because we want to do it. Exactly. It's like, it's like the last example I'll say is, is it's my favorite one. There's a kid who's playing video games and he's trying to beat this next level, Fortnite level, whatever it is. And he's up, you know, three in the morning, all day, all night, all day, all night, 72 hours straight. You know, is you're not going to ask that kid what motivates him to play that game. It's very, very clear why he plays that game. 
he wants to play the game. It makes him happy. Hmm. It makes him happy to play that game. He's, he's trying to beat the level. And so I think if you can kind of copy and paste that into your own life, wherever, wherever it applies, um, there's your drive. Hmm. Yeah. Shoot. There you go, guys. If you guys heard nothing else, that's, that's a lesson I think that we could all take away from it. If you're not sure what it is that you want to do or what you're passionate about, just ask yourself, if I had to do something for 72 straight hours without sleeping and be okay with it, like, what would it be? There it is, man. There it is. You'd be in a gym for 72 hours probably, huh? Honest to God, if there was something, if there was a way that I could train until I fell asleep, wake up and train again, and not, I would train as much as I possibly could. It makes me happy. It truly does. That is not good advice from a personal trainer, and he never claimed it to be so. So <laughs> don't do that. Don't do it. <laughs> oh, man. Time has flown by, man. I didn't even realize. What the heck? Wow. Um, shoot. Big time. If, if you all listening right now couldn't figure this out by now, Anthony Woods is a trainer and he's an Olympian, but I feel like he's not really your average bodybuilding Olympian type figure. The way that he speaks and the things that he, he talks about, the, the way that he expresses himself, um, I'm breaking a lot of my own stereotypes just by talking to him. And that's kind of the whole point of doing the show. Um, I appreciate that, man. No, for sure. And it's the truth, right? It's, I, I need people to be able to connect with you, Anthony. Where's, where's the best place for them to find you if they want to connect you, connect with you and find you? Oh, sure, man. I'm on uh, Instagram at ant underscore woods. That's A-N-T underscore W-O-O-D-Z. And you can find me at uh, Facebook, Anthony Woods, IFBB Pro. There you go. We're going to have at least the Instagram handle on the show notes in case you forgot about that spelling. Um, it's going to be there. So connect with them, DM him, bother him a little bit, ask him questions. He's, I don't know, man. I think one way to say it is you're full of surprises in some ways. Um, and then definitely full of, of wisdom as well. Okay, I appreciate it. I think, I think one of the coolest things that I've learned through all of this is just kind of let things flow as long as your heart and your head, you know, are in the right place. Um, I think you'll find yourself in that flow state, um, mm -hmm. just doing what feels comfortable, doing what feels calm and uh, kind of listening to yourself. Uh, for me personally, it, it took me to have to separate myself a little bit from the people I knew and cared about for a little bit to maybe silence uh, a lot of the voices and a lot of the static or frequencies from the people that I cared about a little bit. And once I was alone, you know, it was really easy for me to hear who Anthony is and what Anthony needs. And at that point, you know, you can begin to, to, to formulate what you want for your for yourself. Mm. I, I, I never, I never decided to be a bodybuilder. I never, um, I never planned on it. Mm -hmm. So you know, if, you, if you, if you know what you want and you, and you are able to, to give things a try and be open, open to fresh ideas and open to new perspectives, I think you'll, everyone will be all right. Okay. I'm going to ask you this one last question, especially from your perspective, uh, because I feel like it's going to be a fresh perspective. Like you just said, we talked a little bit earlier about the show an operation dichotomy in general being in existence because we want people to let go of some of these assumptions and false judgments, open up their perspective and see what actually is, not what they think is. A lot of the conflict that we see in the world around us today, it exists because we don't do that and we can't do that. From your perspective, what do you think we can do practically as individuals that will help us to go in the direction of being more open-minded and I guess being more empathetic because of that as well. Hmm. Man, that's a, that's a, 
That's a question right there, man. I love that question. Um, first, I'll, first I'll, I'll say that I'm still learning. I'm definitely still learning how to do this, but I've had some really unique um, opportunities in terms of where I worked. And I've, I used to work for, I used to work in a probation type of setting where I was um, interacting with people that had been in and out of incarceration. Mm-hmm. And um, in this process, I met people that were rapists, convicted rapists, uh, in, in prison for fraud, uh, burglary, murder, anything, you, anything and everything you can possibly think of, men and women, um, just all across the board from A to Z. And my job was, I was a behavior change manager um, and my job or a case manager, my job was to facilitate some meetings. I taught some classes and be, to be completely honest with you, man, you, you, you begin to look past what people do and what people have done and you see who people are in front of you. And I learned to have these interactions without looking at files. I would have an initial meeting with someone um, and not read their file until I, until I needed to. And you begin to see who's in front of you on this day in 2020, as opposed to who was that person in 1997, so to speak. So um, in that, in that setting, I learned one of the most valuable lessons I've ever learned in my entire life was we are, we have way more similarities than we do differences, way more similarities than we do differences. And if I can focus on the similarities to me, it's, it's way easier for me to, it's way easier for me to, to look past judgment. And also we all, everyone's dealing with something. Everyone is dealing with something. Whether you see it or not, whether it's something that you can, you know, it's not on a t-shirt, it's not a haircut, it's not a tattoo. Everyone is dealing with something. So I give everyone the benefit of the doubt, man. You know, the, the waiter that slams your drink down and spills some of the water all over your, your food, he might've lost his mom that day, you know? Uh, the person that's sitting at the stoplight while it's green and you're trying to get to work and you're late, you know, he might his house might have burnt down the, the week before that. And he's just he's, he's, he's coping. You know, that might be, that person might be lazy or texting. Right. That might be true. But the, the latter might have been true as well. And so I, I just give everyone the benefit of the doubt because I believe it's, it's a fact, especially in what's going on today. Everyone's going through something. And so if everyone's going through something, who am I to judge? Yeah. If this mic wasn't in the stand, I'd drop it. Oh my God. <laughs> You're awesome, man. I appreciate you big time. Oh man. You guys, this this man right here kind of wrapped together everything for us in terms of not just who he is, but also from his perspective and what he's learned, how we can become more empathetic to other people. We have to practice looking at the other perspective. Anthony had an experience where he was able to see it in a very, very real context in the probationary setting. Um, but for us, we don't have to be in a context like that. Like, we can, like you said, we could be driving down the street, somebody cuts you off. You could think, man, what a beep, 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 beep. Or, hey, maybe he had a bad day or maybe he couldn't see. Maybe he was filling the blank. And right. if we could practice learning to give people the benefit of the doubt, and try to understand their perspective instead of what we want their perspective to be, man, things can change. Anthony, thank you for your advice. Dude, thank you for your time. Thank you for your perspective. Very unique perspective, I thought. And it's just, dude, thanks for the conversation, man. I loved it. Oh, man, thank you. I'm, uh, 
I'm seriously grateful and thankful for you uh, inviting me on your podcast, man. This really, really means a lot from my heart, bro. I appreciate you. Thank you. Dude, it was our honor. For our audience, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. Be sure to connect with us. Be sure to connect with Anthony Woods. Follow along his journey as well. Until next time.